On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors wax the Miami Heat after an emotional day in which they traded away a franchise icon and their best offensive player. We'll dig into how Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel Quickly, and RJ Barrett powered the Raptors to their victory. All that coming up on today's show. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, January the 18th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that's busted at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can join us in the Locked On Raptors Discord server, which was the place to be yesterday, not only during the news that Pascal Siakam had been traded to the Pacers for a poo-poo platter of picks and players, but also during that really, really uproarious fun win over the Miami Heat. We'd love to see you there. It's free to join. Link in the description as always. A uh, reminder, you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcasts on the audio side of things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. It's always appreciated. And you can find us on YouTube as well. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the little notification bell and you will never miss an episode because you will get a notification that says, hey, Sean is talking now. Go and tune into the show. And you can do that for the low, low price of on the house thanks in advance for doing that today's show is brought to you by jace medical empower yourself when you purchase a jace case providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections get your get yours today at jacemedical.com and use the code locked on to get 20 bucks off your order that's j-a-s-e medical.com all right let's dive into it the toronto raptors take down the miami heat with jimmy butler with tyler hero with bam out of bio uh, without Pascal Siakam, of course, no Bruce Brown, no Jordan Wara, and uh, no Kira Lewis Jr. just yet either. Shorthanded, the Raptors handle their business at home against the Heat, 121-97. Uh, we will get into the rotational oddities and arrivals of new players in the mix. Grady Dick getting some action and looking pretty good. That's pretty fun. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the Pascal Siakam trade entirely in the final segment with a Siakam uh, dedicated good, bad, and hmm, and uh, all that good stuff. But let's just start with the place you got to start after the trade that totally ushers in a new era. Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett. Emmanuel quickly the three dudes around which this thing is going to be built going forward it's been declared uh all of whom had their hands in this win last night we'll get into Barrett we'll get into quickly we'll get into Barnes off the top here but first we got to welcome in our guest is Jamar Hines the god of the game recap over there at Raptors Republic Jamar how are you man I'm doing pretty good I don't think anybody expected what happened yesterday considering the last time the raptors made a big trade with the og and an ob trade they lost to detroit and <laughs> snapped the 28 game losing streak which would have been an nba record if they lost one more game so this was the complete opposite of that where they never trailed yeah pretty, pretty fun stuff um you know got a little hairy in the second half as you know things are going to get hairy when you have a very young team that is without its uh previously understood best offensive player but there's a lot of nice stuff to pull from this game to get excited about 
regarding what comes ahead for your Toronto Raptors. And let's begin where I think it's just it makes the most sense to begin. Scotty Barnes. This is his team now. It's go time for Scotty Barnes. And he had a pretty decent effort in his first game as the clear and defined dude on this team. 34 minutes, 20 points, five boards, eight assists, two steals and a block, nine of 16 from the field, one of six from three. Been a little cold from downtown of late, um, but still holding up 37% on the season. Impressions of Scotty Barnes' game here. I, I think, you know, you saw the typical fourth quarter surge that he's going to bring about. Glad to see that's still a thing. Maybe you wanted a little bit more from the first three quarters, but what were your overall impressions of Scotty Barnes so far? Or so what were your impressions in the first game of him being the, the dude on this team? Yeah, you would want to see Scotty do more in the first three quarters, and uh, that will probably be more of a point of emphasis now that he's the clear-cut guy but he really took over down the stretch when the Raptors needed somebody to take over uh, Miami had cut the lead till as little as 13 and there is quite a few possessions down the stretch where he just went at Bam Adebayo who is a all-world defender uh I don't think that was entirely the plan because some of these possessions were just complete bailouts where he made some top <laughs> turnaround shot at the end of the shot clock. He drew an in one there as well. So, you know, really impressive tough shot making from Scotty there. And then what really blew the game back open was his driving kick game. He did it about mm. four different times where normally the recipient was Gary Trent Jr. who had a season high eight threes, you know, whatever spot of the court, whether it be whatever spot of the court, whether it be the corner, whether it be the wing, Scotty just did a great job, job of driving and just, just finding Gary who was, you know, it's the hottest he's been all season. So, you know, between that, he had five of his eight assists in the final quarter alone. So he had nine points, five assists. He probably he counted for well over 20 points in the final quarter by himself. So that's what really uh, put Miami away for good. And Miami was playing pretty well coming into this game. They had won three in a row. The Raptors had lost four in a row. So, yeah, again, a lot of this game was a big surprise after the trade. Yeah, uh, you know, again, just uh, did not expect such a forceful effort. I did not expect him to hit 14 threes in the first half either. That was pretty wild. And I think, you know, that might be a bit to explain, you know, the sort of quieter start to this game for Scotty Barnes, I suppose. Like, they didn't exactly need him to go sicko right. mode in the first half as they were completely running the heat off the floor. Um, but yeah, the fact that he could kind of, tap into the well and go and finish the way he did kind of walk into his numbers as he typically seems to do. That was a, a really encouraging sign as Scotty Barnes, like the, the, it's, it's his mantle now, man, he's got to sort of take the reins and everything is kind of every move, moving OG, moving Pascal, all of it is in some way a bet that Scotty Barnes is the dude and uh pretty encouraging stuff in that fourth quarter last night. You know, you'd like to see easier possessions than scoring rainbows over Bam Adebayo, but Bam Adebayo doesn't really give you easy possessions either. So a little give and take there. Uh, Emmanuel quickly. Let's talk about him. Near triple-double in this one. 17, 8, and 9. 6 of 16 from the field. Still trouble, a little bit of trouble finishing inside two-point range for him of late. Um, hasn't quite figured out the, you know, going through contact and whatnot. Um, but still three of six from downtown. The three-point gravity is very much there. And I think maybe the more impressive thing than just the shooting and scoring is this dude seems extremely ready and already sort of accustomed to the lead guard duties, right? Like he just feels like he's got a finger on the pulse of the game. What were your impressions of quickly in this one? I thought his playmaking was pretty fantastic. 
Yeah, from a floor game perspective, I think this was Quickly's most impressive game. He had seven mm. assists in the first half alone, and I thought he did a really good job with the pace, knowing when to push, knowing when to slow it down. Um, obviously, he's one of the quicker guards in the league, living up to his name. So <laughs> he can easily do that. But there was a couple of possessions where, you know, even I remember one possession where RJ wanted the ball early in the possession, Quickly kind of waved him off. Noticed a mismatch with Scotty. He noticed that a couple of times when Scotty had a mismatch and it would get him the ball instead. So I just thought that he had a great feel for who to give the ball to, who to distribute, how to um, facilitate. And, you know, nine of he had nine assists, I want to say. Yeah, he had nine assists, seven in the first half. So I thought he did a really good job of that. Uh, he was flirting with that triple-double. I don't know if he's ever had a triple-double. I want to say he ha- I want to say he I'm going to reckon he has not. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Um, he, he only played two minutes in the fourth, so if he had a little bit more minutes, maybe he could have gone for that there. Uh, Shooter, I believe, played over six minutes in the fourth. So uh, there, I'm sure there will be a time when quickly does get that triple-double. But, yeah, he also did a good job of, like, the loose ball type of rebounds where he would kind of, yep. like, chase it down and beat someone to the ball. So – yeah, I was really impressed with his floor game. When it comes to his finishing, if it's not his floater, this is even going back to New York, if it's not his floater, uh, he does have trouble finishing at the rim. So that's something that, you know, offseason probably you want to see him improve at, especially now being a lead guard. Finishing is going to be a, a key aspect of um, being the lead point guard. So you want to see an improvement in that. But, yeah, going back to the playmaking, I think this game I was more impressed than any other game so far with the Raptors. Yeah, and he's had some good ones, right? Like, he's had some pretty big assist totals already, but this one just felt like, you know, he was, to me, the biggest orchestrator of that incredible first half they had. You know, the the drive and kick, the, you know, his own three-point gravity and the pull-ups and everything. Just, man, he's a fun guy. And look, as someone who is still a little rattled from the loss of Pascal Siakam, my previous favorite Toronto Raptor, uh, quickly is going a long way towards soothing that a little bit. And I think he's very much taking up that mantle for me as my capital D dude on this team. Uh, let's go to RJ Barrett quickly. Nine of 14 in this game continues to hit all of the shots. 26 points, seven of 13 at the line. Didn't have a great night finishing at the line, but got there a ton. Uh, eight boards, three assists. And my concern after the trade yesterday, just kind of thinking about the downstream effects of the move was is this going to thrust Barrett back into maybe an overextended role like he was in in New York? Obviously, the system is very different and the system is more conducive to his strengths. But, you know, Pascal Siakam was a bailout guy for this team, right? There would be stretches where, you know, and they had these lulls last night in the third quarter in particular where the offense kind of dries up and Siakam would go be the buckets man. And, you know, Barrett, in theory, is sort of the next guy in line to fill in that vacuum. So I was concerned we might see a little bit more of a sort of move to on-ball dependence from R.J. Barrett. Didn't seem like the case, though, last night. Really continuing just to kind of be a monster off of cuts, moving himself to the rim, quick drives uh, you know, off of quick decision-making against tilted defenses, no sort of commandeering of the offense or over-dribbling or anything like that. Uh, pretty encouraging if you were at all worried about what the loss of Siaka might mean for an elevated role for R.J. Barrett, no? Yeah, you're right about that because um, even I don't even think there was one possession where the typical bad RJ thing to do would be to just drive into three guys and, you know, Mm -hmm. have some sort of turnover or offensive foul or bad shot. I didn't see any of that. Um, He went to the line 13 times. He only shot seven for 13 from the line, but the fact that he got there 13 times was huge, especially in the third quarter when the Raptors were really struggling to score, I think. 
uh, at one point in the third quarter, they only had four points in the first six minutes. And then RJ just getting to the line kind of, you know, settled things down, kind of got things a little bit back in place. Um, he continues to be a great finisher at the rim. Um, I, I'm just – it's it's still kind of new to me because I'm not used to someone on the Raptors that can get to the rim at regularity and, <laughs> and score that efficiently. Like he's been over 70% at the rim. So mm-hmm. I'm still I'm, – it's still kind of new to me. And with the ball movement that the Raptors are preaching, it was on full display yesterday. Uh, I don't think – that is going to be too much of a worry where he's just holding the ball and, you know, trying to just do it all on his own. I mean, you still got other guys that can score, obviously, obviously with Scotty and quickly. And, you know, if, if Gary's anything like he was shooting yesterday, so there's still other guys that you can kind of lean on from time to time, which, you know, and, and preach the ball movement. If, if, this is kind of the role that RJ is going to play. And obviously, you know, with Pascal being gone, his usage will go up quite a little bit, but if he can manage that and still be efficient and the ball movement is still a point of emphasis, I don't really see a problem yet, but we need more games to figure that one out. Yeah. This was a bizarro game top to bottom. I don't think it's indicative of what this team is going to be necessarily from now to the end of the season. Uh, You know, if they want to hit 14 threes and a half every night, Great, I'm down, but that seems a little far-fetched. Either way, encouraging signs from the BBQ trio, who uh, this whole thing is kind of built around now. We'll see as they progress forward. We're going to come back on the other side, get into some rotational stuff. Gary Trent Jr. starting, Grady Dick playing minutes. And, uh, you know, where does everybody slot in? Of course, uh, Christian Coloco waived as well. We'll examine that. Bruce Brown's fit, et cetera, et cetera, all coming up in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the single best place to go and play daily fantasy sports on the internet. And it's great. It's the way it should be. It's not you against some expert in a basement with a lineup you have, you have no chance of beating. No, it's just you against the Prize Picks projections. All you got to do is pick more or less on specific stats projections for two to six players on a given entry. If you get all six players right on an entry, you're going to win up to 25 times your money. That is pretty sweet. And with basketball season here, football playoffs rolling on as well. You can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials legally created specifically for combo projections. That includes two or more players from different sports or leagues, all for you multi-sportos out there. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that if you have a player who gets hurt in the first half of a game in football or basketball, they are rebooted, which means that's the only daily fantasy sports platform that's offering you an injury insurance policy go to prizepicks.com slash locked in nba use the code locked in nba for first deposit match up to 100 bucks it's prizepicks.com slash locked in nba for uh, and the code locked in nba for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars Today's show is also brought to you by LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? If you're the Indiana Pacers, that move is trading for Pascal Siakam in exchange for a a really, really incredible package. If you're the Indiana Pacers, LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board linkedin has a vast network of more than a billion professionals that's a b in front of that which makes it the best place to hire hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates so easy in fact that 86 percent of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 
hours. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, might have time, not might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We roll on here with Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic, breaking down the Toronto Raptors' uh, new era, or the beginning of the new era against the Miami Heat last night. Some rotational stuff to get into here. Gary Trent Jr., let's start here. We'll, we'll get into Grady Dick, uh, Christian Coloco, where Bruce Brown and Jordan Warren are going to fit coming up in just a sec here. But uh, Gary Trent Jr. starts last night. Has his best game of the season, 28 points, a classic two-rebound, zero-assist line, a pure Gary Trent gunner night. We love to see it. Uh, 10 of 13 from the field and 8 of 9 from downtown for Gary Trent Jr., the beneficiary of a lot of really beautiful possessions of ball movement that ended up in his hands. He's the trigger man, and he did so extremely well last night. Bruce Brown obviously plays about the same position. Of course, Bruce Brown can kind of play anywhere. He's a bit of a Swiss Army Knife player. Um, but my question to you, Jamar, is Gary Trent Jr. or Bruce Brown starting in that two spot? Do you think Gary Trent Jr. just runs with this job now? Obviously, the defense will be hurt by his appearance in that lineup, I, I would think, considering what Bruce Brown can do on that end of the floor. Um, but the shooting, obviously, a huge boon to the offensive uh, just like upside of that group where you at with Gary Trent Jr. and, uh, you know, where he fits into the starting lineup now and, hey, maybe even beyond this season. Yeah, it's interesting that last part you brought up because with him being only 24 years old and we talk timeline all the time. 25 today, I should say. It's his birthday. Oh, he turns 25 today. I did so, not yeah. know that. Oh, so anyway, with him fitting timeline-wise, maybe they actually keep him around. Um, I was thinking maybe not, but it might make sense to just keep him as, you know, you know, being a shooter, and you saw what he can do at times yesterday. He's having a little bit of a down season. His role's changed a bunch. But it wouldn't shock me to see of the three guys that the Raptors had, you know, contracts running out, he's the one that – ends up staying in terms of Bruce Brown. I kind of wonder where his head is at. Yeah. Free agency picks Indiana after winning a championship with Denver only plays three months. Did he pick Indiana or did uh, Indiana's giant checkbook pick him? Uh. Okay. You know, hand in hand, hand hand in hand. I mean, he could, he could have, um, he could have taken less to state with Denver if he really wanted to. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike, Michael Malone's uh, parade where Brucey B ain't going nowhere type of thing still kind of cracks <laughs> me up. <laughs> but, you know. We all I, it, things it, when we're hammered. Jamar, it's fine. Yeah, no, it was hilarious. <laughs> and Malone was probably the most hammered coach I've ever seen at a parade. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just kind of wonder what the Raptors' plans for him is. He does have a team option for next season. It was a two-year, $45 million contract. And, I probably would see Gary starting at least to begin with. And I also don't know if Brown would be okay with that to be coming off the bench. Um, It's one thing to be coming off the bench for a championship team. It's another thing to be coming off the bench for a rebuilding team. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. He could play the two, he could play the three. He's even played some point, uh, but he won't really. He's played the five be... on Kevin Durant teams before. It's crazy. True. Yeah, like you said, Swiss Army knife. So I just feel he's just going to be a wing on this team. Maybe like 
slot in between the two, three, and the four. I mean, you, have, you already have Schroeder as your backup point, and mm-hmm. I don't want to see Bruce Brown play in the five, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so, Might have um, to at the rate they're going with their center position. <laughs> right. So it, it, at first I see bench roll. I mean, like I could be wrong, but it's – he could do a variety of things. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what role Darko has in mind for Bruce Brown and the Raptors plan in general, if they even plan on keeping him, who knows, they might flip him at the, like close to the deadline. He may even yeah. only be here for a cup of tea. Maybe, maybe uh, a guy like Jordan Noro is going to be here longer. You, you never know. So yeah, it's, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I don't even know if I can get into like, full role yet because i don't know how long bruce brown's going to be here if he's flipped yeah. in like the next week or two it wouldn't surprise me yeah for sure there's already reports uh, from ian begley today that if the raptors were to make bruce brown available that uh they'd be very very interested in procuring his services and that's coupled with some stuff from stefan bondi out in new york about quentin grimes maybe being on the outs there maybe there's something there maybe you just assemble the knicks bench on the toronto raptors and uh you're fine with that i don't know i mean i i love those knicks teams and i love grimes quickly and barrett so you know i'd be fine with it personally um but yeah you know bruce brown interesting guy i think you know i know the urge is well trade him he's trade ballast do you go get stuff for him and yeah maybe they do that that's probably where this ends up going but like Teams need good role, guys. He's only 27. He's on a balloon payment right now. Yeah, but like the team can afford it for the next couple seasons on account of they don't have any big money on the books now. They'll have quickly this summer, and then Barnes obviously gets expensive in 18 months or so. But with Brown, I mean, like there's got to be some tangible value, like developmentally, to having a glue guy like that, who again is pretty young, who in theory, like, 18 months from now, if he did expire, maybe you keep him, you have his bird rights, you keep him around on like a more team-friendly deal. I even think Bruce Brown knows he's not a $22 million a year player. He got that crazy balloon payment and took it, as he should have from the Pacers, but I can't imagine he's looking at four years 80 on his next contract or anything like that. So maybe there's a way to keep him around and have him be a sort of, you know, a glue guy on a Scotty Barnes team. I just I wish they would let it breathe a little bit. And the nice thing with Bruce Brown is they don't have to trade him at this deadline, right? Like he's on right. the team for next year. It's a team option. You would assume they'd keep him around and not just let him walk after trading for him um, with him being kind of the only tangible real basketball player that you can count on being decent coming back in this trade. And so I- I'm fine if they let it breathe a little bit. I also do think Gary Trent Jr. should start, though, and I think you should give yeah. him some run here and see, is it worth investing in him long term? You're going to have his bird rights presumably going into the summer. I don't see necessarily a need to trade Gary Trent Jr. right now. You're probably getting like a second round pick for him anyway, and I'd rather just see him play this thing out and see if you can build something with a guy in Scotty Barnes who historically he's performed very well with. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. Uh, you know, Bruce Brown, though, featuring into some lineups, closing games at times. Give me a quickly Barrett, Trent, Brown, Barnes, super duper small look. That's a okay with me. Get weird yeah. here. This is like the priority for the rest of the season is get weird. Um, and also play young guys. Grady Dick last night plays in this game. Six points, four assists, a couple steals, two of two from three wonderful to see after the year that it has been for Grady Dick at every level of basketball he's played at for the Toronto Raptors, Summer League, G League, NBA. Um, Really good to see him get into the mix last night. Thoughts on Grady Dick, his performance, and where he might fit into the plans here as the season goes uh, along down down the second half here. Like, Do you think just giving Grady Dick regular rotation minutes is wise right now for the Raptors? 
yeah, just just play him. You know, yeah. I, I think you know you let him get experience on the fly. There'll be some highs, there'll be some lows, but you know, thirteenth overall pick, you've moved some guys that would have played positions that they, they kind of are kind of in the way position wise. Um, there isn't that winning expectation to make a play in or playoffs or anything like that. I would just play them and and see how it goes. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, you know, the G League team is in a state of disrepair. I don't know if it's the best developmental environment anyway right now. And uh, having him just play at the NBA level, take his lumps, you know, I think that's probably the best course of action now. He's gotten that run of the G League. He brings an element to this team that they need. Let's just see if he can run with it. And hey, if he has a bad first stint, don't put him in the second. If he has a good first stint, put him in the second and see what he can do. Um, the other quick thing, Christian Coloco waived to make the trade legal roster size wise uh, per Blake Murphy. Um, you know, this seems as though it might end up with Coloco returning to Toronto via the 905 at some point this summer. Obviously been out since the summer with the respiratory thing. I don't know if there's much of a take on this, frankly. It's just, it's a bummer that it happened and it, the way it's gone for Coloco is just a real, real upsetting thing considering the promise he showed specifically as a defensive anchor type last year where he walked on the floor and the team was incredible, like a, like a sub 100 defensive rating just simply by having him out there. Um, you know, it's a, it's a tough blow. It's bad luck. There's nothing to really say about it other than hope all was well with Christian Coloco and hopefully they can find a way to work him back into the plans here going into next season via the 905 or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, the last bit of housekeeping on the rotations and whatnot. We'll figure in where Jordan Nawara figures sometime down the line. I'm sure we might see it tonight if they're with the team with the game against the Bulls. Uh, we'll come back and decide, get into the good, the bad, and the hmm, Pascal Siakam trade edition to round out the show. We'll do that in just one sec. But first, today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical, and it's always a good thing to be prepared. Again, I've said this before, but Scar in The Lion King said it best, be prepared, and Jace Medical allows you to do that with the Jace case. It's specifically valuable if you're a traveler, if you're going and jet-setting about, maybe you're getting away from the winter cold to go and find a warm, sunny locale. You can always fall sick when that happens, and it's a very, very bad experience to be sick while you're traveling without access to any sort of proper medical care or attention. And Jace case, that is the, the solve for this. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and more. This stuff can happen to anybody while you're on the road. All you got to do is get the Jace case. It's like this big. It's very small. It goes into your luggage. You probably never have to use it, but if you do fall ill, you have it there for you. And you also have access to the licensed physicians at Jace Medical for proper instruction on how to use these medications safely visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter it'll be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular costs never been more important to be prepared than today go to jacemedical.com use the offer code locked on to get 20 bucks off your order okay rounding out the show here with jamar hines of raptors republic and uh Pascal Siakam trade. It was a big emotional day yesterday, man. It was, uh, there was a lot going on, and we're still kind of dissecting and working through our feelings. And so the good, the bad, and the hmm today, usually a thing reserved for little observations from a game, it's all going to be devoted to the Pascal Siakam trade, a thing we liked about the trade or Pascal Siakam's time in Toronto in general, a thing we didn't like, a thing that's a hmm uh, it's a little intriguing, you know, lots of different directions to go here. It's kind of a broad open canvas. I will start my good 
Jamar, is that we finally got some clarity. You know, the, the return for Bruce Brown, of Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara, Kiri Lewis Jr., and three first round picks that are all going to be in the 20s, most likely, not exactly inspiring. I don't like the way it was handled. I think the front office really, really bungled this, as I'll get to in my bad. But the good here is we know what this team is about now. We know this is Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel Quickly, and RJ Barrett, and everything else around it. And there is like some calming effect to that. And it's not like, you know, they win the game last night, and I'm sure the, the ghouls out there will be like, addition by subtraction, Ewing theory, Pascal Siakam was the problem. No, I think the bigger problem here was that the team spent the last two years under a cloud of unbelievable uncertainty that just soured the vibes, made everything just uncomfortable and strange and uncertain and unclear and murky, and that's gone now. And I think we saw a team play with a little bit of freedom of all of that stuff last night and i think that is my good what is your good jamar my good just going over pascal's entire career i think he's the raptors biggest success story developmentally obviously coming in as the 27th overall pick a rather unknown goes to the g league wins uh, a title there um the mvp you know, he started quite a bit as his rookie out of necessity because of the fact that the Raptors, that was during a time when they had no power forwards whatsoever. That was the same year they were hoping that Jared Sullinger would come back and be somebody. <laughs> uh, they had went through Louis Scola uh, the, the year before, and it was just like a rotating after Amir Johnson, just a rotating of power forwards where they, didn't, they basically didn't have one. He comes in, bench mob, plays a little bit there, solidifies his spot in 2019, most improved player, becomes the number one option a couple years later, all from a 27th overall pick that you know a lot of people didn't know much about coming into the league. Uh, he was just supposed to be an energy guy that runs up the floor, maybe get a couple baskets here and there and defend, not become a consistent 20-point-per-game scorer, a facilitator, an all-NBA player, an all-star, nothing like that. So mm -hmm. just from the development perspective, I think he's the Raptors' greatest uh, success story regarding that. Really, really good, good. Uh, my bad, just how unceremonious the end was and just how toxic this whole season felt around Pascal. And, you know, sort of connected to that, I, I think – because he had been in the trade rumor mill for so long and because the market was so depressed for him, I do think, in general, Pascal Siakam will go down as one of the more underappreciated great Toronto Raptors of all time and, frankly, one of the more underappreciated great players of his generation in the NBA. This dude's a two-time All-NBA player. He is really bloody good. And I think because people fixated on the bubble, I think because you know, the constant swirling trade rumors, I think because Scotty Barnes became this shiny, new, sexy thing, I think Pascal is going to really go down as a guy who just was not appreciated in his time as a multifaceted, multi-talented, playmaking forward with a skill set at his size that very few dudes possess. And my hope is that that appreciation comes around playing with Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner. Uh, that's going to be such an awesome environment for him. Uh, Jamar, what was your bad? Yeah, my bad is about the same. You're right in terms of just being one of the more unappreciated Raptors. It's 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 weird, and there were so many signs this season of him just being kind of phased out. 
whether it be offensively where he was just on the wing to begin the season and he was taking like eight shots in a game that kind of uh, sorted itself out as the season went along and he actually played pretty decent offensively. Uh, yeah, offensively, defensively kind of took a hit kind of like in the, in the OG sense where, you know, basically the writing was on the wall. So the defensive effort kind of fell off. And when you talk about, um, you know, playing now in the States, I do feel playing on an Indiana team and normally a Midwestern team is, I mean, yeah, it's not going to get um, that many eyes on them, but the way Halliburton has been so electric this year, I feel mm-hmm. more people are paying attention to the Pacers than, you know, a, a typical season and just that type of fit. And I feel like even with Ananobi, it was funny. I was looking at um, defensive player of the year odds and Ananobi was like third or fourth. Yeah. And which is, which is which is amazing considering the type of defense he was playing with the Raptors before the trade, which were we were even on a, a pod I was on a couple of times ago where we we're like, yeah, he hasn't been that great defensively this season. But if no. you quiet quit on defense for a month and a half in the season, I don't think you should win defensive player of the year. But that's just me. Like, but he's up there. But he's yeah, up I there. So, I know. Yeah, I, I think that that I mean, and obviously New York is a. In New York, Indiana, were like way different in terms of coverage and everything like that. But I just feel like, you know, Indiana has a chance to, you know, actually do some damage in the playoffs if him and Halliburton can gel pretty quickly. They mm-hmm. can, they could easily be in the second round or something like that. And I feel like, you know, him being noticed there more, I, it's going to be frustrating for Raptors fans where someone's going to be like, hey, yeah, this Pascal Siakam guy, he's actually pretty good. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, he made two All-NBA teams, you think? Yeah. Thanks, Captain Obvious. That is definitely going to happen because it happened with OG's first game in New York where it's like, yeah, actually, this guy's actually a pretty good defender. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, man. Do you guys even watch this team? Well, the no, they don't. No, what? no, no. <laughs> Nobody watches so, nearly as much basketball as they proclaim to watch. I think this is the clear thing that we learn uh, when these things happen. Uh, yeah. So very few. Zach Lowe's watching. I'm not sure about how many other people are watching. Nikias Duncan's watching. But... <laughs> Bums me out that he gets to play with Miles Turner now when the, him and Miles Turner was my dream Toronto Raptors front court for a very, very long time. Um, and apparently it was Pascal Siakam's dream front court as well, per the reporting from Sam Amick today on the trade. So, you know, good stuff. My, hmm, you know, we'll get into sort of the on-court stuff, the ramifications, I suppose, of not having Pascal as we go forward here. But I, I'm just, it's a bit of an interesting hypothetical not even a hypothetical just sort of a you know the the fork in the road type thing the raptors get scotty barnes in the draft in 2021 and he's awesome right away and i just wonder did that kind of break the front office's brain a little bit did it sort of totally throw a wrench into what their post title plans were going to be i don't really know what their post title plans were other than just kind of ride it out with fred and pascal and og and see if you can kind of be a pretty fun team and then eventually parlay that into another win now trade for a star at some point that seemed like their intention and they draft scotty barnes which by the way like i'm really excited for what comes next i'm very eager to watch the scotty barnes era i think he's awesome and i I think he's got a chance to be really really excellent but i do wonder just like drafting scotty barnes did that totally warp their brains as to how to do this thing how to build this thing and you know again we can't 
know the answers really of what would have happened had they drafted somebody else or a player at a different position who complimented Pascal a little more. Like they draft, maybe they draft Shangun or something like that. They don't move up in the draft lottery. They get Shangun at seven or something like that. How does that change the course of Raptors history? Just an interesting, hmm, I, you know, there's probably a timeline here where the Raptors do make a more concerted effort to build a normal team around Pascal Siakam. But I think drafting Scotty Barnes probably rightfully instantly changed their priorities. And, you know, we'll, we'll never know the alternate pathways here, but that's just something I've been thinking about the last little while. Is your hmm regarding Pascal Siakam one way or another? Um, My hmm is Valentine's Day. Huh. The Pacers are, I believe they're in Toronto on yeah. the 14th. So, uh-huh. yeah, it's a pretty quick turnaround in terms of him coming back to Toronto. Um, the reception should still be pretty damn good. I mean, like, this is a... Oh, if it's big, not, yeah. people's brains are lost. Yeah. Like, at of very course worst, it's got to be the, a happy at the very worst, At the very worst, it's the top five Raptor of all time, greatest power forward of all time with the Raptors. Who so, wanted to be here, which star exactly. players never have wanted in the history of the franchise. Like, Yeah. Is yeah. basically him and Demar and and Kyle a couple times begrudgingly came back when he had his eyes looking at San Antonio or something like that. But yeah, the receptions should be great. Um, obviously, uh, the, the, the I'm excited to see the fit with him in Indiana. And yeah, I'm just I'm just waiting for that game. It's kind of like Raptors reunion month. We just played Kyle yesterday, playing Demar today. You know, P- P- Pascal's around the corner. Um, I, I believe OG has a return to Toronto at some point this season because the Knicks only came here once. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny. It's Yeah, it's Raptors return, Raptors alumni type of month. It's Very emotional week and month, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, lots of r- roller coaster feelings for sure. Uh, we've gone far too long. We're going to wrap it up there. Jamar, thanks so much for hanging, man. It was great chatting with you about this bizarro game and a bizarro day in Toronto Raptors land. At least there's some clarity and some, you know, I mean, obviously Bruce Brown rumors will be around there, I'm sure. But uh, we got a little clarity now. We can just watch some hoop, which is exciting. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, Jamar, anything you want to promote for the good people out there? Yeah, I got a preview for the Bulls game up right now on Raptors Republic. You could also follow me, Jamar BH. I have a link to all my Raptors Republic work there. Uh, I believe this is the only TNT game for the Raptors this entire season. I don't think they played one this season yet. And I think Raptors this is the Bulls, only one. baby. It's yeah, primetime so. television. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I think and then I think the second part of that doubleheader is Grizzlies T Wolves and with the Grizzlies being all banged up. That's that uh yeah, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, uh, you can't have a perfect television schedule, that's for sure. Uh, either way, thank you so much for tuning in. Please follow, subscribe to, rate, review, tell a friend. Always appreciated when you support the show, however you support the show. Uh, and you can join us in the Discord. Link is in the description. As always, it's free to join. We'd love to see you in there. We will talk to you again uh, tonight. I'm going to do a little quick post-game recap episode after Raptors Bulls. And then tomorrow, our pal Tony East will be along as we will talk about the Raptors Pacers trade with the host of Locked On Pacers, one Tony East. Uh, not the purveyor of a gentleman's club in 1990s Scarborough. He's a different guy. Uh, the people who know, know. Either way, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you later tonight after Raptors Bulls. In the meantime, thanks for hanging. Bye-bye.